These are African rhythms passed down to us through ancient spirits. Feel the spirit, a unifying force. Come on, move with the spirit. Stand up, clap your hands. Move with the rhythm, just get down. From WSNC 90.5 FM, a broadcasting service and NPR affiliate of Winston-Salem State University, welcome to Africa World Now Project. I'm your host and producer, James Pope. Today, cause Carolina Amazonians United for Solidarity and Empowerment and the Black Radical Tradition. Africa World Now Project is next. The histories of black working class struggle, specifically in the South, are rooted in radical methodologies that are grounded in the material conditions that are structured by the reality set in racial capitalist logic. The forms of struggle generated from the ways of being human, particularly a centering of Africana ways of being and forms of knowing as well as the traditions of resistance that respond but often are in reaction to oppression, are just as vital to identify, map, and apply today as they were in previous generations. Radical black labor movements is an essential manifestation of the overall black liberation struggle. Joe Trotter in Workers on Arrival, Black Labor in the Making of America argues that black workers are critical to any discussion of the nation's productivity, politics, and the future of work in today's global economy. Yet too often, popular journalistic public policy and academic analysis treat the black poor and working class as consumers rather than producers, as takers rather than givers, as liabilities rather than assets. Dominant narratives that play out in mainstream media on questions around democracy center the white working class, largely ignoring the role of peoples of African descent, women and other non-white workers play in holding the promises of democracy accountable. From organizational formations ranging from the Colored National Labor Union to the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters and its vital component, the Ladies Auxiliary, to the League of Revolutionary Black Workers, to the Coalition of Black Trade Unions, to Black Workers for Justice, radical organizers such as Dora Jones, Bonita Williams, Esther Cooper Jackson, Claudia Jones, Medea Springer played a vital role in moving the issues of African peoples to the level of human rights. Today we present a recent conversation I had with Cause Carolina Amazonians United for Solidarity and Empowerment, where we explored the ways in which Cause is identifying its task in this moment of rebellion. A moment that is reverberations of moments before, those moments when Africana people sought to restructure the relationships that were forced upon them. We center this conversation in the following terms of engagement, specifically in an effort to provide context and help us think about the current moment while simultaneously laying the groundwork for future moments. This conversation is framed by exploring the terrains of struggle, thinking through the conditions within which cause is developing its practice. 
Whether the continuities or in what ways this cause map its praxis into the traditions or genealogies of radical black working class struggle. And finally, what is the vision beyond struggle? How are the objectives, the particularities of the conditions within which cause practice is being developed connect with the radical imagination needed to move further toward liberation? It is with this that it is clear to me that the work that has been initiated, the processes of collective organization for collective outcome by cause is essential to the current moment of radical possibilities. The real, the lived realities that are being addressed at their material local level have global implications. Our show was produced today in solidarity with the native, indigenous, African, and Afro-descended communities at Standing Rock, Venezuela, Corporation Jackson in Jackson, Mississippi, Brazil, the Avalon Village in Detroit, Colombia, Kenya, Palestine, South Africa, Ghana, Haiti, and other places who are fighting for the protection of our land for the benefit of all peoples. Listen intently, think critically, act accordingly. Enjoy the program. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. And let me say at the onset, as we begin uh, our conversation, this platform is open to support and amplify the work that you all in are set uh, to engage in, you know, now and also the work that is coming. So I just want us to understand that this is a space, a, a maroon space, if you will, that would allow us to, uh, uh, to engage in a process of deep thinking out loud about the struggles present and also those to come. So again, let me offer, you know, a gratitude and thank you for joining us today. Happy to be here. So as we begin, I, you know, I, allow me to offer a frame for the conversation, a method upon which I would love our listeners to engage us today. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out these particular, you know, these terms, and then we're just going to kind of peel back and, and really uh, unpack these particular terms. And these terms are conceptual, but again, we'll get to the materiality of what we're talking about or what causes is engaged in uh, specifically. And so the first concept, the first idea uh, is to really explore the conditions within which cause is developing a practice and thought, what we would consider to be terrain of struggle. The second one would be the continuities, or map the continuities or praxis of cause in a genealogy of radical, uh, Black radical tradition or, or, or radical uh, ideas and practices throughout time and space. And then the third frame, as we kind of, you know, move through the materiality or the discussion or the details of the conditions within which, you know, uh, the praxis is being developed, is a vision beyond struggle. Uh, how are the objectives, the particularities of the conditions within which causes developing, right, a praxis, developing an understanding of the long genealogy of radical uh, labor and radical worker? And how does that 
look? What is the what is the vision beyond struggle? Um, and so hopefully that kind of sets the term for our audience. And what we will do now is really get into a little bit of the materiality. Let's unpack these questions and we'll deal with the first concept, the question of uh, terrains of struggle. What are the main issues uh, that we're dealing with? What are the main issues that cause are facing and struggling against at this particular moment? Okay, I'll um, hop in and start there. Main issues that we're struggling against. We're trying to start a union at the RDU-1 facility in Garner, North Carolina. The issues that we um, put forth as when we talk to our coworkers, what they want is one, to have a say in negotiating contracts, to have a say in their workplace environment because they need more time off. They need better working conditions. They need higher pay. These are the material conditions that are mobilizing people, right? Because Amazon runs 150% turnover rate. They run their business trying to get you to quit or to fire you. And because that's what happens when the corporation gets to settle the terms, they set a term of extreme exploitation and our coworkers are organizing against that. And it's very important to understand in the context of, you know, this idea of basically a, a non-centering of the human, a non-centering of, of what it means to be a, not only a worker, but a human, a, a, a human who works, you know, those particular conditions uh, become important, you know, to understand. So what actions uh, have been taken? Um, has there been a, a strike considered? Has there, you know, what are some of the things that have been taken up to this particular point? Thank you, Dr. Pope, for giving us the opportunity to uh, speak with you. It's not every day that uh, I get to sit down and have a conversation with an academician or uh, such a bright mind as yours that's in our community. So I'm very appreciative of that. Um, as far as uh, some of the actions that we have uh, taken, let's put this into context. When you look at Amazon, Amazon is um, here um, in our area is majority black and brown workers. If I was to give that an, an estimation, we probably have 85% black and brown workers. Um, and every day that you're at Amazon, um, growing up here in the South, every day of my life, I've always been reminded that I am a minority, that I am a black man. And when um, I go to work at Earth's um, best employer, I would not um, expect the same treatment inside of that facility as um, the treatment that um, I get living here in Johnson County, um, uh, driving uh, 27 miles per hour in a 25 mile per hour zone and getting pulled over for speeding. But that is the treatment that um, a lot of the black and brown workers receive at um, Amazon. Uh, where you're not treated as your human being. And some of the actions um, with, um, we've, we've considered a lot of different actions, but just as your former uh, student, we have a, a lot of very intelligent uh, guys and girls that are a part of our team. And every step we make is, uh, is measured, is strategic, and is intentional. Um, one of the things that just recently happened, um, there was a, a, um, a white manager who um, we've labeled as a racist um, because of the way he treats black and brown workers and the way he talks to people. And we demanded that um, they terminate him, that they get rid of him. Well, they did not terminate the guy, but they did move him uh, to a different department. 
And that is something that um, we're still on, um, that we're still demanding that um, he gets um, terminated, not to become too loquacious, but some of the treatment that you get. Um, you know, I was asked one day to go to a, um, a department that I didn't have permissions to. And when I went upstairs, um, this same manager is following me. And he says, um, uh, the young lady says to me, she says, uh, Reverend Ryan, uh, can I get your login? I said, no, um, I don't have the permissions to be up here. And automatically uh, this um, guy jumps on me. Oh, so you're not gonna comply. You're not gonna comply. And I said, man, do you hear the words that's coming out of your mouth? Um, is your vocabulary that limited that you can't come up with another synonym than comply? Um, uh, he said, well, I'm not, I don't mean it that way. You're just intimidating her. I said, so now you, we leave one uh, racist undertone or coded word, and we go to another racist under, uh, undertone or coded word. Now you're making me the angry black guy that the little pretty white girl is afraid of. So I asked her, uh, um, have we saved with our colloquialism here in Johnson County, Suge, are you afraid of me? And she said, no, sir. But, um, and so, um, as far as actions, um, those are conversations that we're still um, having because you have to remember, even with a strike, Amazon, just uh, as you can uh, push a button on your keyboard, can stop um, uh, movement uh, and still continue business uh, just with a push of a button. Oh, and it's very important to understand it and the way that the treatment is coded in the language and, and it carries the words and the ideas. Uh, carry a lot of power in that and also sets up the stage uh, for the, the the conditions within which, you know, workers are working, particularly uh, black and brown workers, uh, replicate what's happening in society, right? What's happening in a broader context. Um, among the workers, is, is there a sense, are, are black and white workers working together in cause? Are, is there, what is the relationship between, uh, the racial relationship between, or I should say the false racial relationship between, uh, you know, workers uh, with cause? So we definitely have black and white workers working in cause, uh, but it, I would say that our demographics definitely mimic the demographics of the facility, where it's by far mostly Black and brown people, mostly black women, honestly, um, are the main body of cause and the um, main body of the organizing committee is mostly black women. And I would also say back to the question of actions that we're taking is that part of the unique situation of being a grassroots organizing campaign that is taking off without the backing or affiliation of a um, formal union is that we have to organize like we have to become organizers while working. And so our work, we don't have union organizers. We don't have paid organizers. We are learning how to organize ourselves, right? And so as we reach out to people, right? We, we fly the facility. This is a facility of 6,000 people, okay? So we have to reach out to everybody, bring in new people, train our people to be organizers while they're working with their coworkers. And that is the, that is the meat of cause. That's who we are, is the worker organizers. And that's um, the work that we're really doing is developing skills as organizers and raising the consciousness of our coworkers to be able to reach out to their own coworkers. And that's like, that's the meat of the action that we're doing. And that's the groundwork to do any other actions, right? So for example, we have entire departments that are already like on board with cause, right? So we have the ability if we wanted to do a slowdown or a strike, we have the ability to. 
but strategically we are laying the groundwork to have worker organizers in every department on every floor on every shift so that we have the power to we're building our power question. no it answers the question perfectly because you know there's a lot of contestation with this the, with the with the idea of a dominant narrative in the context of labor unions uh in a, in a formal sense but also the tradition of 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 black and brown workers uh, to organize themselves is a longer tradition without the particular backing. What is that? What is that relationship? Uh, is are there attempts uh, by what we would consider to be dominant, uh, the uh, you know the labor unions formal in the, in that particular context? Are there attempts to kind of uh, circumvent or or infiltrate, so to speak, or to try to figure out uh, how to guide the efforts of this important? Uh, opportunity or this important instances of of worker labor uh, worker organizers as being developed by cause uh, you know what is that relationship are are there some relationships what does that look like well um we definitely have relationships with um rank and file uh traditional um unions who have been around uh longer than uh those of us that's having this conversation uh, uh ages together combined I want to go back real quick uh, to something that uh, Destiny had uh, said. Uh, she had stated that uh, we have a lot of Black women. When this whole ideal of uh, cause was first birthed, um, it was very strategic that we reach Black women. Um, black women, when you look at Black women, behind every movement, at least in, in my eyes, when I read historical narratives and books, um, they don't always get the credit but they've been the driving force and the conscience of uh, those uh, movements. And um, one of the things that I made sure that I personally, uh, uh, the individuals I would recruit would be black women. And in particular, black women that go to a traditional black church and have a black church experience. The reason why is um, that um, they already have organizing skills. You take my grandmother, for example, my grandmother, only had a fourth grade education. She went back to get her GED. Uh, but my grandmother was involved on every committee that was in uh, the church. And we were at church every single day of the week with the exception of Fridays. Um, so it is in uh, black women's nature um, who are, are part of this, uh, of, of the South um, to organize. And um, as far as um, working with um, uh, a collaboration with other uh, um, rank and file unions, um, we do uh, have conversations with those guys, listen to them, um, what wisdom that we can take and translate it into success for us. But at the end of the day, we recognize that um, Amazon is a monster like um, no other union has ever fought uh, or devil that they've ever fought before. And we know Amazon and we uh, know our coworkers. And that's an important point. And actually, it, it, it dawned on me to take a pause right now to actually talk about the origins of cause. Let's, where did cause come from? How did, how did cause develop uh, uh, um, into what it, is, what it is at the moment and also some possibilities of how it sees itself moving forward? If I can, I'm sorry to become too loquacious. I'll deal with. Uh, how cause was birthed, and I will let Destiny talk about where does uh, cause see herself in the future. Cause was birthed uh, of, in January of this year. I um, 
was told, not asked, to go into a department that I knew was a COVID hotspot and that had a COVID outbreak. Uh, this um, department I, uh, had individuals who were dropping out like flies each and every single day because they uh, were testing positive for COVID. That did not set well with my spirit. And I'm not going to say I'm the most religious person in the world, even though I'm an ordained minister. But I left work that day and then route home to my residence. Uh, my soul was troubled. My conscience was disturbed. I could not eat. I could not find pleasure in any the uh, things that I like in life, reading, um, um, watching uh, my boring documentaries uh, on my, my nerd stuff. Um, so I... Um, I wrote, um, uh, I've always been able to express myself best by writing. So I wrote a uh, personal letter to our GM and I posted it on this, um, this virtual board that's called a Voice of the Associate, which offers the company feedback and, and vice versa, the company, um, they will uh, respond. When I got to work the next day, I, um, after posting that, uh, within 10 minutes of clocking in, uh, the GM invited me to his office. We had a, a private audience for about an hour, and I'm sitting there listening to this man uh, talk. I'm looking at uh, his eyes, talking to me, and I uh, realized real quick he was just giving me a, a lot of talking points to make me be quiet and, and don't say anything. When I left his office suite, uh, got back on the floor, I, I was still very uncomfortable, so I, I left work early again. And growing up in the rural South, um, when I got home, I remembered my, that my grandmother taught me to pray and I uh, got on my knees and um, I, I, I talked to um, the Lord. And um, in my uh, prayers, I heard a voice that just simply said, because uh, uh, Charlemagne the God in his book, uh, Black Privilege, he says that God is not loud. If anything, he damn near whispers. And I heard a voice whisper, just organized. No. And I don't know what organizing meant, but I got up uh, from uh, off my knees um, to uh, start this whole process. And the first person that I had a conversation with was I targeted an older Black woman who I knew uh, had experience in the Black church and uh, with the history of being a, a Black radical. Uh, she puts me in the mind of uh, Fannie Lou Hamer. And I let Destiny talk about where she sees calls going. Coming off just what you were saying there, the, this older black lady, her name is Mary L. She's co-founder of Cause. One of the first conversations I had with her was about um, the Southern, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and the work of Ella Baker. Um, and that's like literally, I met her like when I when I met her, that's the first thing we talked about. And just her like this is a like one of the fieriest old ladies you ever met. Um, but I would also point to in the origins of cause is that with like starts with Reverend Ryan and Mary Hill next up is um, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with um, the traditional unions the traditional unions weren't reaching out to Amazon workers they weren't outside flyering an organization which I think you might be familiar with Dr. Pope um, the Southern Workers Assembly had been flyering outside of um, Amazon locations okay and so when Reverend Ryan and Mary Hill um, made the decision that they were going to organize to address these conditions, they reached back out to the Southern Workers Assembly, who they had made contact with from this flyering event. 
And so it's like, you know, the Southern Workers Assembly also um, in our area, they are, they work really closely with Black Workers for Justice. And that like, this is like, this is where our, like the connection between um, our local organizing goes, is materially directly connected to a history, a longer history of struggle. Um, because you know, some of the figures associated with Southern Workers Assembly and some of the like, um, that there is decades of struggle connected with this organization that we're immediately tied to. Um, and for the future, what we expect beyond here is that, you know, what we were saying about there's, what I was saying earlier about how there's, there's an Amazon in every major city in North Carolina and every major city, they are preying on the people who are most vulnerable. And so they're most willing to accept subpar wages. They're most willing to accept subpar working conditions. And as those are poor and working class black and brown people. And we want not just, we don't just want um, empowered workers in Garner, we want empowered workers across the state. Um, we That's why it causes Carolina Amazonians United for Solidarity and Empowerment. We don't just want it here, we want it across the state. We want it at GSO1 um, facility in Kernersville. We want to see empowered workers um, in all the delivery stations in Durham and all of the sortation centers in the triangle and the triad. We see this as a movement that we are um, sparking off in Garner. And this is very important. And 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 yes, you know, the, the, the synergies and the continuities are very, very deep and clear in the context. And yes, you know, having relationships with a number of these particular organizations, then, and the collectivity is very important. The unity is very important. And the shared sense of responsibility to, to make society and making, make workplace uh, uh, better uh, for everyone becomes important. So there's clearly a national or internationality or internationalism in this. And, um, you know, Destiny, I know you know me in the context of understanding that everything, you know, has to have, or there has to be some continuities in the internationalism. So can you speak a little bit about, you know, some of those particular um, ideas about, you know, because again, we're talking about Amazon, right? We're talking about, this is a, this is a planetary organization that, uh, seeks to control uh, the, the 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 production and the distribution of of labor and and what is being produced across the world. Is there any type of um, um, sense of connectivity in a global sense? Uh, has there been any conversations uh, with uh, not only in North Carolina but of course uh, you know uh, you know workers organizing in other places in in the South itself? Uh, Louisiana, uh, you know, other places like that. And the, and the answer to that would be yes. Um, I've had the opportunity to uh, speak to several uh, Amazon rank and file organizers um, that's in the South and uh, our brothers and sisters that are in New York and Kentucky and out on the West Coast. Um, and what we're what I what I learned is that it, uh, what we're experiencing is not an isolated uh, situation. Uh, it is nationwide. It's worldwide. I had the opportunity to go to uh, Chicago for this conference called Labor Notes, and um, in that conference, uh, internationally speaking, um, I was invited to uh, come and speak in Canada, to come and speak uh, across the pond in Europe because those brothers and sisters are experiencing the exact same thing that we are experiencing. Um, one of the things that 
made me aware really, really quick of um, Amazon's exploitation, the way they treat black and brown bodies. The nerd in me one day was watching C-SPAN. And while I was watching C-SPAN, I saw this uh, beautiful uh, black woman named Sister Jennifer Bates out of Alabama talking about the injustices uh, that she experiences in Bessemer, Alabama at a warehouse. And um, I connected with her, my spirit connected with her spirit and my energy connected with her energy. And I uh, soon realized real quick uh, that we didn't have isolated events. This is just how Amazon in general treats uh, people. And one of the things that I would want your viewers to uh, know and to recognize that there's an urgency that we organize Amazon quickly because Amazon is a essential threat to humanity in general. They're in every nook and cranny uh, of our lives from the television we watch to what we order uh, to the, even the groceries that we purchase. And um, um, while um, politicians may not uh, ring in this monster, uh, we, the people, everyday ordinary people like you and I, uh, we can speak uh, truth to power to uh, bring to light the injustice and, and the threat that uh, this corporation is to humanity in general. And I, and I close real quick with this. Even like if you take my residence, I'm, uh, when we first purchased the, this two acres of land, a little sweet piece of heaven, um, didn't have an HOA that was bothering us. Um, and uh, you get a little older, so you want to, uh, life to go a little slower, so we moved out to the country. And um, now, when I uh, go and sit on my front porch in my uh, old school rocking chair like my grandfather's, uh, just beyond the field there, uh, I have to look at an Amazon, which is our, uh, that they just recently built, uh, which is uh, taking away what uh, used to be a little piece of heaven. Uh, uh, we're going to find a, another piece of heaven uh, because Amazon pollutes the earth. I mean, on and on the list goes. No, thank you for that. That's a very important, very important point. Um, you know, uh, uh, just to share a little quick story. I, you know, um, you know, I have a I have a 17 year old son, and uh, one of his uh, movies he used to watch uh, when he was younger was Wall E, that movie with the little robot. Um, and you know, it, it just, it just, the, the similarities <laughs> in the context, uh, it's little similarities, but there's some, there's some obviously, you know, synergy around the, you know, the reach of the, are, are the, the ideas that were, were, were in that particular movie and, and how it reaches and, and tries to control the, the lived experiences of, of, of people. Um, how does Cause see the relationship between study and struggle? Are, you know, does Cause have any educational programs or developing any educational programs for workers? Almost all we do is education. It's because it's what we were saying earlier about how we have to develop worker organizers is that um, that's actually probably our strongest relationship with any existing union is training, is that we need um, training and education constantly. One thing that we have... I guess probably taking the most effort to educate ourselves on is the um, the strategies and struggles that went into unionizing the Smithfield 
um, meat packaging plant that like we, we educate ourselves in movement history and, and tactics and a strategy. And it's like, it's actually a lot of work just to get, just to take in this information and to learn skills and to find ways to put them in practice. And then to diffuse the skills across um, our coworkers and then new co like every time we, every time we do a recruitment drive, we have new people who have to, we have to start all over with educating, right? And so that's that's honestly part of the reason why media, like in addition to creating, in addition to reaching out to people, right, is that we're creating information kind of junkets for people so that when um, when we're educating our coworkers who don't know us yet, right, who don't know that, who haven't been to a meeting, haven't learned anything directly from the organization, that they have a place to meet us from the outside and to be educated about what we're about and what we want and what we um, are going for. And so that's, education is kind of nonstop. Even this is a part of education. And if, if I could just add something real quick to uh, what Sister Destiny just said too. Brother Malcolm Little, who would, the world would know as uh, Malcolm X, one of my favorite quotes by him says, education is our passport to the future. Tomorrow belongs to the people who prepare for it today. Um, we recognize being here in the South, that uh, education is really essential uh, to our organizing efforts. We've had um, some individuals, even within our uh, organizing committee and outsiders, who would suggest that we hurry up and go ahead and let's go ahead and uh, collect the union cards, you know? Um, but we recognize the challenge that we have. Um, Amazon, um, they strategically place warehouses in particular communities where that they feel that um, the, the population is uh, not as educated, they're uh, not as conscious. And so the education is uh, extremely important. And one of the principles that we follow uh, from brother Stokely Carmichael, uh, he says uh, in a quote that the job of the conscious is to make the unconscious conscious. And um, that's what our uh, educational um, uh, pursuits uh, uh, that we hope that they do at least uh, to those who join calls. And one more thing on education is that even, even just because we live in a right to work state and we're in the South, people literally think unions are illegal or have never worked, like there's such low union density, people have never worked in a union shop, have never, um, so it's like some education is literally on the, what is a union? Why would I want one? Is it illegal? Does right to work mean that we can't have a union here? No, it just means that if there is a union, you're not required to join it. That's literally what right to work means. But people hear right to work and they think it means like, just we have to undo miseducation as well. And that's a very important point, you know, Destiny, in, in, in the context of understanding. And I want to make sure that, you know, what we're talking about here, particularly for our listeners, is that this notion of education, uh, you know, again, and, and Reverend Ryan, you just talked about this notion of making conscious the unconscious is there's also a notion of organic intellectuals here, right? The idea that, you know, it's not that one is uneducated more so than being led to the resources to develop information or organize information for a particular purpose. Um, and that is what uh, the organizer uh, is intending to do. The organizer is intending to organize, help folk to organize information 
in a way that becomes knowledge for a particular purpose. And so this becomes very important in the context of uh, this, this, this next question or the next idea that I wanted us to, to, to engage in, which is, you know, really, you know, how, how do you see uh, the continuities with the work that has been engaged in to broader struggles? You touched on it, you, you know, Reverend Ryan, you talked about the environment, you talked about uh, you know, uh, the you know the the coded languages. Destiny gave us a a understanding of the of the idea of uh, of the broader struggle. So, are there are there what are some what are some continuities or what is the foundation or what are some ideas that are grounding as you are developing the consciousness of workers uh, through your particular education programs, but also based upon the objectives of organizing. So, um, I'll start with that. Um, one of the first things is that we see ourselves as a part of a broader labor struggle, struggle, right? So it's like, we know that like the world we live in now where we get a 40 hour work week with weekends and no child labor, like we know that came from a labor struggle. We know that didn't just happen because companies got really nice a hundred years or so. We know that it came from people um, who were oppressed, fighting their oppressors and making, making wins. Okay. But we're working off a hundred year old wins and we, know that we have to that if we know that people did it in the past regular working class people that the people who are going to do it today will be regular working class people too and that um that's kind of what we're talking about with consciousness being like oh look look at these problems we are the solution to our problem and that we like we are the ones who are going to have to make that change and so um seeing the continuity of oh okay um we got things that were an improvement from the 19th century's working conditions we need improvements for today's working um, people, today's working people where the workforce, for example, in Amazon has a lot of women in it, women who need childcare, women who need healthcare that's conducive to um, like gender disparity. And it's like, we know that we have demands that are pushing for the lives of today's people. And that that's one continuity we see in struggle. We know that we like our part by our demographics and by ourselves as organizers of the longer black liberation struggle. Like we know that, you know, black people don't just need to be hired at jobs. We need like the resources to live, right? And that, um, you know, um, if we want, like that, if we have 6,000 black people here who are all, like if you work full-time at Amazon, you'll make $25,000 a year, okay? that's not enough to live in the triangle of North Carolina. We know that this is a factory that's producing poverty, not because, not because there isn't enough money, there's enough money to send the richest man in the world to space just to have fun. And he'll thank us for paying for it afterwards, right? But it's like, there's enough money to take care of all of us. And all, well, not, it's not all that we have to do is ask for it, but the power to get it is with us. It's not from the dude who'll just send himself to space for a joyride. He's not going to decide to give all these people money. It's on us to do it. And so that's like a fighting for a world where regular working people have what they need for their lives is what we want. And that a lot of people will say, oh, you know, um, when you think of an assembly line sort of um, work duties where you're doing one thing again and again, people think that that kind of work isn't deserving of a life, a, a life sustaining wage, but everyone who's working has their own life and that all, all lives need what they need to sustain it. And that's 
what we're fighting for. We're fighting really for the essentials of life and a life giving system. And instead of one that is built on exploitation, where with Amazon, the average employment at Amazon is 45 days, where they're trying to force you to quit or be fired in 45 days. They're not trying to sustain you for life, even though you're preying on people who are only doing this work because they needed to survive. And so we're making this not just what the company wants, which is disposable people. We want real lives for real people, which is who we are. So this is a human rights struggle. In essence, you're correct. Right, Brian, go ahead. No, what, what I was going to suggest is that for me personally, now let, let me give credit to Sister Destiny for this. I never knew I was a Black radical. And she sized me up and she started um, talking to me and I started doing the research. And so, yep, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Uh, but yes, it's a it's a, a human human rights um, struggle, um, and uh, with the educational aspect, and we see ourselves as a continuation of um, the struggles of our ancestors. Um, some of the work that they were not able to complete, even if you look at MLK, um, when uh, he was assassinated uh, on the April day in Memphis, Tennessee, he was there fighting with. Uh, working class people. And one of the books that uh, I read earlier this year, um, I have a niece uh, who just received her, uh, her doctoral degree and she turned me on to a brother named Dr. Claude Anderson. Never heard of him before, never read about him in school, but he wrote a book that was entitled, um, he, that book was entitled uh, uh, Black Labor, White Wealth. And in that book, um, I, um, was able to see a lot of uh, what we feel may have changed, but is still present with us. And in that book, uh, one of the uh, quotes that I remember him saying is that the predominantly marginal living conditions of Black America did not happen by accident. And then he goes on to talk about how the history of slavery and struggles for equality, they should serve as a guide for uh, those of us that are living in the future. And so for us, uh, we see this as a continuation of uh, a, a corporation that's one of the wealthiest corporations in the world with one of the wealthiest men in the world that exploits black and brown people. This is just a continuation of the liberation of black and brown people. So as we as we come to a come to a, a, a close, I wanted to do two things. Number one, I wanted to you know, uh, uh, ask, is cause going to be active uh, in this particular 2022 political uh, uh, um, um, environment as we're moving fast towards, uh, you know, um, elections? Uh, are, are, is cause going to be active during this particular co uh, political campaign? Um, and then also, um, I know that there are some demands. I know that there are uh, some, you know, and I want to make sure that I provide, you know, the platform uh, for you, uh, for cause to be able to express uh, those particular uh, demands that cause is, is is asking for in this particular moment, it's just a platform to build towards the the understanding of the are uh, the undertones of this particular conversation, which is centered on a direct intentionality of centering uh, the work of cause in a in a radical black radical tradition uh, that is rooted in in human rights struggle. So. Just to recap, 
uh, <laughs> it's called going to be active specifically in you know this particular 2022 uh, political uh, environment as, as it's going to be ramping up very soon. We're going to be starting to hear and a lot of contradictions come up, right? A lot of promises and, you know, all types of things. Um, and also, I want to make sure that, uh, you know, um, calls gets a chance to really, to really lay out uh, uh, the particular demands that is being um, levied at this particular moment at this particular time. If I can jump in there and um, if uh, Destiny can... Uh... I talk about the farmer of that uh, question and Destiny can do the latter. But for me, that's a discussion that we can have. But for me, I see our political system, our politicians, both um, Democrats and Republicans. I'm an independent voter, but I see both of them as a humongous failure. They have not protected working class people who have built this country, who have uh, this country has produced so much wealth. It's Interesting that you asked uh, that question because we received uh, um, uh, an email from uh, one of um, our Senate candidates here in North Carolina. This um, individual's, um, I guess someone on, on this particular individual's staff sent an email requesting funds and a donation to uh, that campaign for the purposes of helping them win, but we've never heard uh, anything from that uh, candidate, not uh, a hey, boo, or bye, but, and you're asking people who don't even know, they're robbing Peter to pay Paul. They're making decisions based off of, um, am I gonna buy grocery or literally um, because I'm sick because of the injuries of Amazon, am I gonna pay my copay? And you're asking them for a donation. And so for me in this moment, um, I feel that um, the politicians has been a failure and that what we are witnessing throughout our country when the upsurge in the labor movement is that it is the proverbial peasants taking a run on the castle um, and that um, working class people are just tired of the corruption, the lies, the deceit, and um, they're taking matters in their own hands. Um, and I'll follow up with the demands. Our demands are pretty straightforward. One, we are fighting for an NLRB recognized union. That's what we want. We want um, contract negotiation power. That's what we're fighting for. Um, our things that we want in our contract and things that we are demanding, we're demanding um, a pay raise. We want a living wage. We're demanding an end to the time off task. They monitor every second that you um, are working at Amazon and they are easily penalized. We, we want um, we want these ridiculous standards of production. We, we don't want them anymore. That's, um, it's hurting people and it's not safe for us. Um, and we, the, we need more um, paid time off. The way they have it set up currently is you have to work for your time off, right? They give you an incremental, um, you'll earn like um, 0.25 an hour of time off for every hour you work. And so, or every shift you work. And so, you have to accrue time off. It could take, um, they start you off at the beginning of the shift with, at the beginning with 10 hours of unpaid time off and seven and a half hours of paid time off. That's not enough time to take the weekend off, but um, we want more um, paid time off and more UPT. Um, those are our, con like these are the concrete demands that we make of the company. But part of the reason why we wanted to be, why, I mean, I specifically wanted to um, be on this podcast you mentioned your seven, like your your the figure of listeners. I was really 
reaching out to more of your local listeners, your students at Winston-Salem State, because this is a situation where people, we're also, this is also a call to action, right? We're calling people into the movement. Um, Amazon is in your community. You know people who work for Amazon, although they might not have told you because a lot of people aren't proud to have this job. And um, this is a situation where the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. But really the laborers aren't organized. And if we need people to come do this work. And even the, I, I know for a fact, because I've worked at multiple Amazon facilities that it's full of students. It's full of young black students. I went, worked at the facility in Durham. I'd say half the people there went to Central. I'm sure, because Amazon, if you work there for three months, if you survive their gauntlet, will pay for your college tuition which of course is a tax write-off for them. But um, so I know, I know that your students are working at Amazon. I know that there are people who have every material interest to work for the um, unionization of Amazon, to work for their coworkers and their communities to have people who have living wages. And um, it's a call to action for organic intellectuals, for um, working class people, and for the communities around working class people. And that's um, that's our demands of the community is to join the fight. Very important. And you're absolutely 100% correct, uh, you know, as far as, as far as, uh, you know, because I'm, you know, I really engage in, in, in more than just what we would call traditional uh, teaching in the context. We have a lot of in-depth conversations and I know for a fact the number of, of of students are you know work uh you know in the con you know in the in amazon in those particular spaces and i wanted to you know as we close i wanted to give you know either both of you an opportunity to 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 close us out that you know destiny that was very important that the call to action is essential um you know and that's that is what we're working towards and i want to uh, state again that this platform is is just as much as your platform as is anybody else's. So please, by all means, anytime the space is open, uh, we can think out loud together. We can think through these things together to also help us understand, you know, how to construct a practice, how to construct, you know, take these thoughts, these ideas and make them material, make them real. Uh, but I wanted to give you both an opportunity to close us out. Or, you know, is there anything that you would like uh, 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 that you think that you might uh, want to say or that you might want to add or something like that? If I can uh, have some closing comments, and I appreciate uh, these closing comments with uh, a point of personal privilege. What I want to say is that Destiny just said it best. I, I'll come across a lot of uh, young people who have um, uh, Black, uh, Black Lives Matter t-shirts on and Pan-African uh, ideals and concept uh, shirts on, but do you really know what that mean? Um, I hear some of them, you know, if I was a slave, uh, uh, like our African uh, uh, ancestors, uh, I would have been like Toby, they would have to kill me or cut half my foot off. I, I hear that all the time, but do you realize and do you recognize that in this moment in 2022 right now that we live in, uh, that wage slavery is still taking place. Income inequality is still taking place. Do you, do you, do you realize that uh, the majority of the young people that I uh, um, have conversations with inside of RDU1 are educated individuals from ed accredited institutions? Um, 
um, that can't understand or comprehend why they can't move up in the company with the credentials and the background that they have. And I would just echo what uh, Sister Destiny just said. Join us in this effort. This is a historical moment where we don't wait for the historians to uh, tell our story. We're writing our own story right now. Um, and this is a, a, a moment that um, you can become a part of um, um, history that you can tell your, your uh, children about and your grandchildren. I have a very distant relative in Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, who was a part of a group uh, called the Greensboro Four named Franklin McCain. And if you would have had a conversation with Franklin McCain before he expired in 2011, he was terrified uh, about um, um, talking, uh, st standing up to white supremacy, but he did it. This is your moment right now. And, I, and so uh, join us in this efforts. And if you wanna learn more about calls, you can look us up um, with, on our website at amazoncalls.com. I think that you pretty much said it, Reverend Ryan. That's, I'm, I'm fine with ending on that. I like again. Thank you both for taking the time uh, to talk with us today. Uh, again, I look forward to, you know, really building this, a solid uh, foundation in the context of relationship as we move forward, as we support any efforts that you guys are engaged in. Um, again, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to join us. That's it for Africa Woke Now Project for this week. I would like to thank you for joining us today and look forward to spending time with you next week. We can be reached through all your regular social media platforms. Email Project at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at AFWRLDNWPRJ. Instagram at Africa Woke Now Project. Access to our other media platforms can be reached through the bios of our social media. I'm your host and producer, James Pope. The Africa World Now Project Collective consists of international media journalist, executive producer, and human rights activist, Mouiza Muntali, Africa World Now Project media correspondent, Funa Ngonda, senior research content contributor and production director, Dr. Tasneem Siddiqui, senior research content contributor and production associate, Dr. Josh Myers, associate producer and content contributor, Dr. Keisha Khan Perry, content contributor and filmmaker, Kurt Orderson, technology advisor, it's Byron Gray of Greyworks Technologies, and creative directors, international creative and artist designer Tabasam Siddiqui and Judah Pope. Africa World Now Project can be heard every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WSNC NPR affiliate and broadcast service of Winston-Salem State University. Programs are archived and available on all podcast platforms. Search Africa World Now Project. Until next week, be safe, be peaceful, and above all, be intelligent. Looking out the window, watching all the people go Bugging off a funny vibe, cause now it seems they're equal Wonder what we train say, wonder what my pops say Bugging off the calmness in the apple Who me? I'm cooling in New York, I'm chilling in New York The hoods is on my block and the brothers at the court The baseball hats is on and the projects is calm Dream 
times extended and highly recommended. But early birds like me's up checking out the scene. The early worms jog, forget about your job. Just come dig the essence while the decadence is hidden. When people act like people, the theory isn't pigeon. If you know the norm, it's like Hades transformed. On Sunday's early hours, the city sprouts its flowers. So get with the rhythms while you get in with the planets. Vibe off the jams, but don't take them for granted. And just chill. Through the streets and search of funky beats. Extensive is the travels and it's heavy on the sneaks. Yeah, it's kicking out the speakers of the Sunday morning Jeep. My man, do planners do it lovely? And my, my brother's and my keeper. Mother. We foot it to the park where the swoon units walk. And sit with the Phoenicians, digging on musicians. Hanging with the rebels, sipping on a snapple. Bugging with my crew, just tripping in the apple. You be thinking peace when you vibe with your flock. But you be thinking, damn, everybody got a clock. If you got some beef, please express that in silence or else. Violence. But right here is the life, it's the children of the concrete. Living off the fruits and the functions of the fat beats. Hip hop's all around, the members is growing. Please dig on the sounds, cause the good vibes they snowing. So chill, so chill. Games on. Maybe it's the running reps, maybe it's the Knicks, maybe it's a rerun of an old TV show like Hawaii 5 or Karate Flicks. Maybe if the phone rings, Butterfly will take wings, speaking on some cool things, fronting like I cope. Born under flat ground, now I'm chilling shaky ground, reaching for Pacific Heights, Sunday is my rope. Dig it. Sunday's to relax, Sunday's to relax. Some Sunday morning drama is calling up my mama. The hotline is in, I guess the Silvers knew the deal. Vibing off the jams of the crews on Sugar Hill. Lay around and think, ain't nothing to do. Checking out some from, some Sartre, Camus. Mingus is our um, the Ambrose can drum. The DPs are light, there they go, here they come. It's time to grab some loot, put on the timber boots. Checking out some dollies, like Tasha and Kamali. New York is a museum with its posters and graffiti. If you're in the city on Sunday, come check me, get with me, get with me. 